This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, we've been talking about the trajectory of faith, and uh, we got off a little bit for the last few weeks, so I'm going to review a little bit, and then um, some of our songs tonight, especially the last one, I want us to begin to see our identity is in Christ Jesus, and it's huge for every one of us to begin to understand that. So go with me back to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Now, every one of us in this life, we end up in places that we didn't plan to be. And I say that because when you look at the man, Joseph's life, I guarantee he never planned to end up in that pit. And he never planned to end up as a slave in Egypt, but he did. And so that's the same for every one of us. We end up in places that we never think about. The issue was not getting into the pit. The issue is, do I stay into the pit or do I get out? Now, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about pride. And I want to touch on that just for a little bit before we shift gears because pride always has to be heard. It always has a voice. It always has an opinion. And it has to tell everybody who I am, what I'm doing, What I plan to do, pride even tells people what I'm doing for God. And if I'm not careful, I I begin to brag about those things. And so you begin to see when we talk about pride, pride isn't quiet. So as we talk about that, watch these first few verses, and then I'm going to kick in and I'll tell you some things as we go along. Genesis 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 year old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lads were with the sons of Bilia and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of his brothers to his father. Now Israel, and Israel was Jacob. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. Man, he gave him this coat. And this coat was incredible. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So it says, Joseph had this dream, and remember we were talking about pride, that pride has a voice. Pride is not quiet, and so Joseph said, I've just got to tell my brothers this. So he tells them, and they hate him even the more. Verse 6, so he said to them, Please hear this dream which I've dreamed. Now, just for a minute, let's just pretend that we're one of Joseph's brothers. We're one of the ten older brothers, and we're sitting there, and Joseph comes strolling in, and this is what he says to us in verse 7. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf, Joseph's sheaf, arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Now, can you imagine Joseph telling us this? Saying, now, listen, boys, the day's going to come when every one of you are going to bow down to us. And as an older brother, I wouldn't be real good with that. So he goes on to say here, And his brother said to him, You shall indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, 
every one of us in here, we need to learn to discipline our tongue and bridle our tongues. You want a great scripture to help you remember that? James 1.19 says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Something happens when I begin to bridle my tongue like this. And so what he's talking about here is this is one of the things that Joseph needed to do also. He needed to learn to control his tongue in the same way. But here's a point for you. Like I said, every one of us in here need to learn to bridle our tongues. But whatever's in your heart is going to make its way out of your mouth. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So again, it's important that I discipline my tongue. But watch this as we keep reading. Verse 9. Then Joseph dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father, his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? So what literally happens with this, if, if I'm not careful, I can deal with my tongue, but that's just the fruit of the issue. That's not the root of the issue. And, and many times when we mow our lawn, when you cut off the head of a dandelion, you're going to eliminate that dandelion for a short period of time. Just a matter of time till it comes back. And so even in this area right here, the fruit of pride may come out from the words of your mouth, but that's not the root of pride. When you begin to study the root of the pride, the root of pride is in insecurity. And every one of us in this room, we have to, to, to fight against insecurity and we mask our insecurity in words. And so what insecurity does with every one of us, it makes us feel like we have to let everybody know who we are, what we're doing. We have to let everybody know our accomplishments, our achievements, and our titles. And so it comes to a form of bragging. Have you ever been around people that brag? Just over and over and over and over and over. So literally what happens is we're trying to achieve a sense of security. And we begin to say things like this here by letting everyone know how special I am. So we're literally trying to gain acceptance. So what Joseph is doing here, whether we want to admit it or not, he's very insecure in his life and he's wanting to gain acceptance from his older brothers. So he's telling him these all these great things he's going to do, but he doesn't realize it's pushing them away from him. That's the same thing with every one of us in this room. And so my true identity is not in my titles. It's not in my achievements. It's not even in my dreams. My true identity is in Jesus. And even that song we just sang. And I got to begin to see myself how Christ sees me. And I got to identify my life with Christ Jesus. Now, go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me give you a scripture that I really believe will help you. In Acts 17, verse 28, it says, In him I live and move and have my being. In Jesus I live and move and have my being. 
And so it's one of the ways we've got to start understanding it's in him. It's in him that I do everything. I don't get saved because of me. I don't get saved by how good I've been, my achievements. I'm not saved by works. I'm saved because of Jesus. Now, in this passage here, in in Matthew 4, I'm going to start in in verse 1. And in this passage here, this is when the devil begins to tempt the Lord Jesus. And this passage is always interesting to me because the devil quotes Scripture. He quotes Scripture to Jesus. The thing is with the devil, he knew Scripture. He just didn't obey it. Now, watch when we take off here some of the things we can learn here. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This this ought to show us stuff here that even the Lord Jesus, when he was on earth as a man, he wasn't exempt from being tempted. That's why we always got to understand this. No person has it easy, okay? Sometimes in our life we think, golly, that person has it real easy. No one has it easy. Not one person that's ever walked this earth was exempt from temptation. And every person on this earth, regardless who you are, you experience pain. We all experience pain. So even in this setting, here's the Lord Jesus, and it said, He was led up to be tempted, verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter, the devil, came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, he tempts him with three areas. First, the physical right here, his needs and his desires. Second, with his possessions and with power. And the third area he tempted him would be on the lines of pride. And he said there, if you're the Son of God, do this and this. But in this passage right here, if you'll note something, he said, if you're the Son of God. So the devil right here, he tries to create insecurity in Jesus. And he says, if you're the son of God. So he's dealing with his identity. And that's exactly what he does to us. And so many times in our life, when people say, are you this or you that? We think as human beings, I've got to prove to them this is who I am. But watch real close. How Jesus handles the temptation of insecurity in his identity. Verse 4. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, when you look at what Jesus said, if you'll note there, he didn't look at him and said, Oh, yes, I am the Son of God. He didn't say, Wait just one second here, buddy boy. No, The only thing that Jesus did is Jesus said to him what the word of God says. Who God says we are. And so everyone of in this room, when we find out our security is in who the Lord says we are and what Jesus says about every one of us. And so in in John 8 verse 31, it says, if you abide in the word, if you continue in the word, if you remain in the word... Then the word will set you free. And so Jesus understood his identity right here was what the father said about him. It's all in the word of God. Now, when he said there that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that word there is likened in two ways. 
The word logos means the written word or the written message. The word rhema means the spoken word or the spoken message. You want the word of God to start taking off in your life? Start saying out of your mouth everything that the Bible says about you. Start saying over the exact things out of your mouth what the Lord Jesus. Now, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. In Revelations 12, 11, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. One of the things we ought to be doing is we ought to be marching around saying, I'm an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to go to the book of of Galatians or Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Now, Jesus knew his identity and his relationship with the Father, and he didn't have to prove anything. And even in our lives, guys, it's not what we do for him, okay? My identity is not in what I do for Jesus. If my identity is what I do for Jesus, then I have pride issues, which leads to the root of insecurity, which is rooted in the need, I want to be loved and I want to be valued. But the only way we're ever going to be truly loved and truly valued is by Jesus. As much as I love and value my wife, I can't give her everything she desires. Only Jesus can do that, and it's the same for every one of us. So begin to think about this. And I believe with all my heart, every one of us at times, we have insecurity problems. But when you see what the Word of God says, it'll change you. Colossians chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. It says in verse 9, For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus, everything of God is expressed in Jesus. Now watch verse 10. And you are complete in him. It's interesting right there. He didn't say you're complete in your job. How many of in this room, we try to get our, our identity by through what I do. He didn't say you're complete in your spouse. He said you are complete in him. Some of the different translations said you're made full in him. You're given fullness in him. So he goes on to say, You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Let me ask you something. Have you ever said, I thank you, Lord Jesus, I'm complete in you? I thank you, Lord Jesus, you've made me full. I believe it's important to begin to quote stuff like this, where we begin to start saying about ourselves what the Bible says. The word of God right there said, I'm complete in him. So if I'm complete in him, I'm full of the fullness of all that God is. Now, turn to your left, and this will really, really help you. Ephesians chapter 1. And I encourage you to start Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. Actually, you could even go back to 1st and 2nd Corinthians Those are called epistles. Those are written to me and you as believers. Take a highlighter and go in there. And every time it says in him through whom you mark that. 
Because what that is addressed to is me and you as believers. It will shock you. How many times it will reference in him. In him. In him. Now I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Read read Ephesians tomorrow. Read Ephesians 1 and just watch how many times. So tonight we're going to start Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I've been blessed with everything he said in verse 3 in Christ. So now we got to go back and we got to say, how do I become in Christ? So when I give my heart to Jesus, I become born again and now I'm in Christ. So if you've received Jesus as Lord of your life and you've asked him to come into your heart and live for you and live with you and help you, you're in Christ, okay? So this is written to you. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so the word accepted there in the beloved, it literally means that we've been graced with grace. Not because I went to church. Not because I read 22 chapters. Not because I did, I went a whole day without cussing. I'm graced because of Jesus. No other reason that because I'm a child of God, I get to be a partaker of everything that Jesus gave us. Now, watch this in verse 7. This is a good one. In him, in who? In Jesus, we have redemption. The word redemption deals with salvation. It deals with deliverance. It deals with forgiveness. The Amplified says, riches and generosity of his gracious favor. So we can read it this way. In him we have redemption. In me I have redemption. Through Christ Jesus. Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so I believe it's very healthy that we march around all day. And I thank you Lord Jesus, you've redeemed me. And when we talk about the redemptive power of Jesus... You can go into the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. And it says he has redeemed us or he has taken us from the curse of the law. He's redeeming from the curse of the law. You know what the curse of the law was? Poverty, sickness, and eternal death. So if he's redeemed me from that, you know what it's biblical for me to say? I walk in divine life, divine health, and divine blessing. And so all you begin to do when he says, I'm in him, is I start saying those things and I start living. So one of the illustrations is this, that if if he's blessed me with divine life, John 10.10 said, he gave me life and that more abundantly. So I walk through this place and I begin to say, I thank you today, Lord Jesus. You have redeemed me. You've blessed me with divine life. 
I am full of divine life, spirit, soul, and body. I walk in divine life as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a man of God. I thank you. I welcome your, your, your divine life today in mine. And you've redeemed me from sickness and disease. And I thank you today, Lord, that no sickness or disease comes near my dwelling. I thank you today. I'll tell you, start speaking over your body. Man, my eyes see perfect. My ears hear perfect. My head, my nose, my throat, my lungs, my tonsils, my nasal passages function perfect with no pain. My heart beats right. My blood pressure is perfect. My kidney, my liver, my prostate, my gallbladder, my colon function perfect. My back is in line. My shoulders in line. My elbows are in line. My knees function perfect. Ligaments, tissue, cartilage, muscle, fiber. You function like you were created to. My mind is sound. My memory is sound. My emotions are sound. You sound like you do this. I do this. Five times a week. And it's not because I'm some Bible hero, okay? It's because I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Then I get over into the blessings and I say, thank you, Father God. Part of my redemptive package because I'm in Christ, he's blessed me. So how does the blessing look? Oh, Lord, that you bless me indeed. You enlarge my territory. Your hand is upon me. You keep me from evil and I cause no pain. Psalm 65, 13 says, you crown my year with your goodness, my past drip with your abundance. Psalm 69 says, and daily he loads me with his benefits. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. Genesis 12, 1, 2, 3, he said that he's blessed me, he's multiplied me, he's made my name great, and he's blessed me to be a blessing. And so again, what begins to happen is we begin to agree with the word of God. And guess what? If you're in Christ Jesus, that becomes your identity. Now look at verse 11. And if you guys can pull that up for me in the message. Oh, the message is so good here. Let me read it in in the New Living right now. It says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. In him we've obtained an inheritance. Now think about this. I can't spend any of my inheritance if I don't know what it is. He says, in him, we've also attained inheritance and been predestined. The, the message says it. You got the Here it is. Watch this. In Christ, that we find out who we are and what we're living for. In Christ. And so that's exactly what we all got to do. We got to start finding out my identity is in Christ and what he wants us to have. Now, I got one more scripture I want you to go to to help us tonight. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Our words and the confessions out of our mouth, they do two things. They rule us and they locate us. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. You want to locate yourself? Just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. That's why I got to discipline myself and say what the Bible says. Now, many of you have heard me say this for years. When I begin to see the power of my tongue and the power of your tongue, and in, in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. And you'll meditate on it there and day and night that you may observe to do all that's in it. Then you'll, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. He said three things right there. You've got to speak the word. 
You got to meditate. You got to recite the word. And then you got to do it. So when I begin to see the power of speaking the word of God, the rhema out of my mouth. Let me ask you a question. How do you get born again? You confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart. That's just not for salvation. That's for every area of my life. So I begin to find out, man, my, my confession, the words out of my mouth were dominating me in a bad way. How many of you have ever said this? We're always broke. We never have enough. Man, all me and my wife do, we fight like cats and dogs. See, it's very easy to get caught up in those things. And so I remember years back when I, I mean, I was literally self-inflicting myself with my words. Me and Shelly said this. Every time we say something out of our mouth that doesn't agree with the word of God, the other one had the right to correct us. Now, again, it wasn't fair, guys. I mean, I got to correct her one out of every ten times, and I didn't like it. I remember driving down the road, and I'd say something stupid, and she'd look at me, and she'd say, is that what you're believing for? And I'd say, no. Then why are we saying it? And so, again, I got to get back into my life, and I got to identify with who Christ says I am. 2 Corinthians 5, begin with me in verse 15. And Jesus died for all. The last time I look up all in Webster's, it meant all. I I don't care how bad you think you are. The bad things you've done, Jesus died for all. He died for every one of us. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Who died for them and he rose again. Therefore, from now on, regard no one according to the flesh or the human point of view. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer by our flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I, I tell you, I would begin to pray that. I begin to say that. I thank you, Lord. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. I'm a brand new creation in you, Lord Jesus. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All Behold, all things have become new. Verse 21. For he, Father God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, a lot of people have a hard time saying that. That's that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. A brand new creation in him. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I mean, will not impute sin. So when we talk about the word righteousness here, because of what Jesus did for me and you, he put us in right standing with the Father. That's why I just live in him. And so when I go before the Father and I ask anything, I don't come and I say, Father God, in the name of Joel Herrera, I come. No, I come in the name of Jesus. Because my whole identity is in him. And so when we begin to look at all this, I'm approved and I'm accepted because of Jesus. And so I can come in as a son of God. 
I show up in the name of Jesus, and guess what? Father God welcomes me. He receives me. See, as, as citizens of the United States, we have a thing called the Bill of Rights. As a citizen of heaven, we have a thing called the, the Bill of Righteousness. And every one of us, as citizens of America, we have certain rights that are granted to us. It's the same in the kingdom of heaven. We have certain rights that have been granted to us as children of God. Now, many times, and this is a whole other matter, we don't know what our rights are. And so, therefore, we don't ever get to use them. But tonight, you begin to see my identities in Christ Jesus. If you're insecure, my identities in Christ Jesus. If, you, if you've ever been where, where you feel like, man, I, I shouldn't be in that setting. I shouldn't have been around. I, I've been in, in a meeting one time with a bunch of, I mean, big name authors. And I sat at the table and for the first 20 minutes I thought, why am I even here? It was like, oh my gosh, the insecurity. And then I realized, you know what? In God's eyes, I'm no different than them. I'm a son just like you guys are. And so it begins to change my identity. And when I begin to live life, I, I don't have to prove anything to anybody and neither do you. You go in and say, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what I'm standing on. My identity is in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.